0: Hello and welcome to another installment of Book Hate, a podcast about books that we hate. Um, As always, just because we hated a book doesn't mean it is a bad book or that you should not read it. It just means that it wasn't our cup of tea. Uh, Today's guest is the lovely and talented librarian extraordinaire, uh, Miss Shari. Shari, how are you today?
1: Hello. Hello, hello. Hello out there in the podcast world. I'm doing well.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about about yourself, um, what kind of reader you are?
1: Um, I don't really read that much anymore. Confession time. I used to read a lot as a young person. My dad was the librarian. I read a ton, but since I've been a librarian, it kind of feels like homework. However, I have a half hour to and from my job every day. So I listen a lot. I listen to a lot of audio. I've been a big listener for about 18 years now, which is as long as I've worked here at the lovely library. And so I guess that's the kind of reader I am. I read with my ears.
0: Yeah. Well, that counts as reading. Um, that's actually how I read our book today, which we'll get into in just a minute. Um, I listened to it. I didn't um, read the actual book. Uh, do you have any favorite books?
1: Oh, too many to list. Um, if you're talking about when I was young, I was a nut for Paula Danziger, who was writing before you were probably able to read Miss Ashley. Yeah,
0: I've not read any of her. She before. is
1: one of my very favorites. Her most well-known book is The Cat Ate My Gym Shorts. It's not my favorite. I like it, but she, just, she has dozens of books. I've been very lucky to see her before she passed away very young, and she's absolutely hilarious. She was so funny and uh, by far my favorite author of my childhood. And I still give her out now, even though her covers are really dated and the kids still love her. So I guess yeah. that's a something.
0: There we- All right, so Shari, what book are we re- reading today? What is our topic?
1: It is the very critically acclaimed, very critically, like dozens of, probably, probably literally dozens of awards, I bet. Mm-hmm. Um, feed by M.T. Anderson. His first maybe not his first books, possibly second or third book. I think it's a
0: second book, yeah.
1: Second book for teens I believe was his Yeah.
0: First. Um so yeah, so we're reading Feed by MT Anderson and it was published in two thousand two. Uh Shari, can you give our reader or listeners a brief description of what this book is about?
1: It's kind of funny that I'm showing you the cover because nobody's gonna see the cover, but No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is an audio medium. <laughs>
1: Um, can you repeat the question? Sorry. Oh, yeah.
0: What is this book about?
1: This book was dystopian before dystopian was cool. <laughs> Everybody has a implant in their brain that feeds into all of their desires, like what they want right now. So it's like a constant feed of clothing that they might like, beauty products, music, etc., cetera, and so on. And it was installed, I guess, when they're very young, mm-hmm. and it kind of grows with them. Yeah, and it's about how that ship is affecting the whole world, and the health of the whole world as well.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great description. So as you said, this is a fairly well-reviewed book, and I say fairly because, like, it won a lot of awards you're correct in that Um, and the reviews it got were positive but when you read them you definitely get the impression that the reviewer didn't like the book like they recognize that it was like maybe well done or like the point that Anderson's trying to make but it definitely seems like they didn't enjoy the actual act of reading Um, and so like one example I have is from Booklist and the reviewer writes This didactic, also disturbing book plays on every negative teen stereotype. The young people are bored, (laughs) unthinking pawns of commercialism, speaking only in obnoxious slang, ignoring and disrespecting the few adults around. The future is vapid and without direction. Yet many teens will feel a haunting familiarity with this future universe. As a cautionary tale, the story works. It is less successful as YA literature. Mm, Interesting. and so I definitely agree with what this reviewer is saying. Um, and this was definitely probably the most like on-the-fence review that I found in like journals. And so like we said, it this book won a lot of awards. It was a National Book Award honoree. It won the LA Times Book Prize. It was a Boston Globe Honor Book. Um, and I think the audio production also won an award. Do you remember?
1: Oh, I'm sure it did. It was very lauded. It was I, before the Odyssey was around, I do, but I yeah. think
0: it did. I, like I was researching it for this podcast, and I remember reading that, and then I went back to like find what award it was called, and I couldn't find it again. So it's possible I made that up. But
1: Maybe an Audi? Yeah,
0: maybe, maybe it was just an Audi. I don't remember. For
1: audiobooks?
0: Um, have you ever listened to the audio version? Yes, I
1: have listened to the audio version. <laughs> Because everybody told me I would then
0: love the book, um so that like I said before that is the version i listened I listened to it, I didn't read it, and I thought like the production was really effective um because part of the way this book is written is that you're constantly being interrupted by ads, just like as if you you had your own feed kind of thing, and so the way that works in the audio I think is really well um. Because if I was reading it, I would just skip all of those ads and I wouldn't bother reading them. But because I was listening, I had to hear them. And so it definitely worked better that way. What did you think of the production?
1: It's excellent. I mean, it's, it's definitely better on audio because of the feed. And the feed is meant to be listened to, not read.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I still hated it. It made <laughs> me like the book. Um, it just didn't. I I liked it better. It was more. It was more palatable. Mm-hmm. I was able to get through it. I did not. I have a very good friend, our old boss, who said the the audio changed her feelings about the book. It, it just it didn't change it mine. Didn't
0: for you. I so you have served on an award committee for audiobooks for a few years. That's correct. A
1: couple of
0: them. Um. So I wanted to ask you something. That I noticed with this audiobook, and I've noticed it before, is how the girls sound on audio. And so I feel like whenever you have a male narrator, the only way that they can think of to make the like voice distinction for a girl character is to make the girl sound very, very whiny. Do you... Is that like... Like Jim Dale does it with the audio Harry Potter books. Like Hermione is the worst voice I've ever heard and those. And like the girls in this book, even Violet, who is the only likable character, <laughs> which we'll get into in just a minute. Um, she sounds awful. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Do you have any thoughts? I could or?
1: not agree better. I think you should get yourself on an audiobook com- committee because you, you definitely know what you're talking about. God, gentlemen have a very hard time being female voices. I have heard a good voice. There are a couple of male narrators who can do it, but it's a it's a skill. Uh, they do tend to sound whiny. They're too high, yeah. and their older women always sound like they're from New York, <laughs> thick accents. I don't know why. But you're absolutely right. Whenever I listen to an audio book where the gentleman does a good female voice. I give bonus points. Now, women can do male voice much better than the other way around. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's very hard to find. Even Jim Dale, who's fantastic, absolutely, has a hard time doing females.
0: So how do you remember this book when you first read it? You were saying you were a teen librarian then?
1: Yes. I read it for a committee. I would have never picked it up. I'm not a dystopian person. Mm -hmm. I've really never been. And, you know, I'm also the teen librarian who bought the Hunger Games for our library. I did not really care for that either. Please, people don't send hate mail to Ashley.
0: (laughs) Don't add us.
1: (laughs) I just, dystopian just doesn't do it for me. And this was kind of one of the first that I read in a long long time and it was because i had to for a committee and i just remember all the people at the table oh lovely so wonderful why we're librarians (laughs) and just praising empty anderson and i don't want to diss on this author because i have met him and he's the loveliest he's very very nice and very intelligent I have nothing but nice things to say. His books just aren't my speed. He's a very good writer. They're just not my speed, and this is one of them. I don't think I've read anything that I've loved by him, but this one is definitely my least favorite.
0: It's funny that you bring that up because I have read this one, and I've tried to read a couple of his other ones. Like I, he has His latest one was also nominated for a National Book Award. It might have even won, um, and I tried to read that, and I couldn't get into it um he won a lot of awards for the astonishing tale of Octavian Nothing, Nothing
1: which I tried on I've,
0: audio I've tried to get into that on audio and in print and I couldn't get into it but for this podcast I was reading some of his speeches and like some interviews with him and he seemed so charming and so likable on those oh, yes. that it it was surprising to me that like his author voice is so different than his author persona I guess is how I would phrase that um I had not read this book before you suggested it for the podcast um and it's kind of interesting in that because I would have been the target market for this I was a teenager in 2002 when it came out um and so I'm trying to kind of guess what my reaction would have been if I had read this at like the engineered or designed time. And I definitely don't think I would have, I never would have picked it up. That's for sure. Um, and I'm trying to remember what I was reading because I didn't read very much YA literature or what we would have classified as YA. Um, and so I I, like, it's just trying to color my perception of this book through that um
1: I'm trying to remember what else the committee was reading because I think it was for the Michigan Thumbs Up Award okay so like best teen books you know we had a state committee mm-hmm. I think it was for that one and I want to say was this the year of like hard love and I'm trying to remember what else we brought
0: I have no idea do so you remember what patrons thought of the book? Like, was this a popular title? Like,
1: no, Oh, not that I remember. Okay. I don't remember it being, I, his books are not.
0: Yeah, you can't they... seem to give them away.
1: I think I was, yeah, you, yeah, they're <laughs> definitely for a higher brow reader. Um, I was at a different library than the one you and I currently work at. And, um, it's a, it was a different base. I... Mm-hmm think they might have been more into him than the kids yeah at the current library uh but yeah his stuff is a hard sell i do like his younger stuff better game of sunken places is not bad either and that's probably more middle school mm. i like those better, slightly better they're still not my thing but i like them better <laughs> Okay, so now it's time for cover talk, and
0: this is a reoccurring segment where we judge the book by its cover, just like they always tell you not to do. Um, how do you remember <laughs> this cover?
1: Um, well, I have the book right here. <laughs>
0: do so you remember liking
1: remember it? It. It's, it's, it is a cool cover, I have to say. It's the back of the head of, I'm assuming, the main character, mm-hmm. and it's a bald head, and you just see this little patch on the head that's kind of highlighted that i think they're trying to tell you is where maybe the feed is in this person's head and then there's the title of the book in tiny letters Mm -hmm. on the other side of the head it is quite compelling
0: yeah i do think it's a good cover cover. Um,
1: covers the best thing about the book
0: (laughs) it is a very like early aughts color scheme like with the bright teal and the orange yeah um But overall, I think it's effective. Um, It is. And the paperback cover is really very similar. Um, A lot of times you'll find that like the hardcover and the paperback are very, very different. Or Yeah, they tried to like pivot their marketing strategy, but they didn't really seem to do that with this book. So they must have been really happy with how it was received. So, Shari, let's get into it. Why do you hate this book?
1: Oh, <laughs> I have no <notes. laughs> Okay. I think your reviewer really summed it up. Wow. I mean, the teens are not likable, and I get that that's the point, mm-hmm. but I don't want to sit down and read a book about characters I don't like. i yeah. just, that's just not me. I know some people want that. I just, I want light and funny and, I don't know. That doesn't mean I can't broaden my horizons to (laughs) be open. But these teens are not likable. I really don't like the main character. He is awful. Yeah. And I want to say, oh, he becomes better by the end. But he doesn't. He doesn't, which is one of the big problems I have. He does not grow at all. Zero. There is zero growth. want to give the book away but oh spoilers are fine he goes through a major tragedy yeah he still doesn't seem to give a flying fig he's dating some other girl I'm like this guy is not a nice guy yeah I Uh, do not feel anything for him and you at least had empathy for Violet I thought she was getting what she deserved I had no empathy for her none of that I yeah
0: I don't I don't know that she like got what she deserved I don't think she was like a bad character or like a no, like as she a character she, but suppose. she's definitely supposed to be like the likable character right did you change your opinion at all between reading it back in 2002 versus now was it as bad as you remembered was it worse it
1: just yeah it just all came flooding back how much i hated it and i had to like trudge my way through it it, was, it took me about four weeks to
0: it was read the slog it. yeah that happens sometimes um
1: but again i don't like to read like i used to so that didn't help
0: <laughs> i don't think i hated this book uh it certainly wasn't for me and i didn't enjoy it um but until like the last like quarter I, of the book I was probably kind of on board um but then like we had said like the character doesn't grow nothing happens like I would have liked another plot point or something at the end to try and either give it some resolution or to make something else happen um I really felt like the ending of this book is when someone starts talking for a really long time and then they kind of lose the thread of what they were talking about. And so, but they don't want to stop talking. So they just kind of keep talking and <laughs> trail off instead of like having a final point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like, I definitely got like that Anderson was making a point. Like, he had a vision and. Absolutely but he didn't make it. <laughs> like he never put like the final period on the end of the sentence. So a lot of reviewers mentioned how good Anderson is at creating an authentic teen voice. And I wanted to get your reaction to that because listening to this, I my first reaction was that like this is written by someone who hates teenagers. Like <laughs> These kids are selfish. They're dumb. They're rude. It, this whole book reads like a long version of like a boomer rant about how millennials are ruining America.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that is very well said. Uh,
0: I think it's intentional. Like I think that like Anderson wanted the reader to feel that way. Yes. But because no one changes, and, like, you – I feel like the point isn't fully made, I guess. It's,
1: hmm. Yeah, I think that's very well, well put. I mean, I definitely think he wants you to hate these kids.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: And he does a very nice – he does a very – he's a very good writer. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's an excellent writer. He knows how to draw a scene with his words. I mean – I could picture Mars, mm-hmm. you know, or wherever they were. With the Mars, moon, out yeah. Or the moon. They went to hang out on the moon. And, you know, we went to hang out on the moon, and it sucked. I mean, great line. He has great lines. He's very good with a phrase. And he definitely draws these vapid teenagers very realistically. I mean, I've met kids like this in my life. Heck, I probably was a kid like this for about you know, 20 minutes at a time sometimes throughout my youth.
0: But, like, that's it. Like, 20 minutes at a time. You were never fully this character. This was not all that there was to you. Yeah, and
1: I don't think any teen is all the way like this. No. I, I mean, I've I've met a lot of teens in my 15 years as a teen librarian. Um, and none of them, they all had shades of gray. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with you that this there's definitely not a three-dimensional yeah which is probably one of the reasons i really because i i like teen everything Mm -hmm. i mean you know i've been into teen stuff throughout my adult life you know i again you're quite a bit younger than me but i was really into 90210 which was a television show back in the early 2000s about teens and i was definitely not a teen at that time so the
0: reboot you were into no, the original. Well, the original was like early 90s. Early 90s?
1: What am I now? Yeah. I guess so. Okay. I just remember watching it with my then boyfriend now husband. And that's when I knew he loved me. <laughs> <laughs> he really hated it. He put
0: up with your Luke Perry obsession. Was it
1: really early
0: 90s? Yeah. Early 90s? Oh, gosh. Because okay. I wasn't allowed to watch 90210 when it was first on, I was too young.
1: I, I was in college. So yeah, I guess it was early '90s.
0: I think it I went on that. forever. Like I think it started did, like, in like '94.
1: I did like an English project on it for college. <laughs> I was quite obsessed. So I love stuff about teens, but this this book just not for you. Was not for me. And the, and the kids on Nine Hundred Two and Zero are pretty vapid.
0: But... Hmm. But they had redeemable qualities. Well, I mean, did Brenda have a redeemable quality? Oh, come on. Brenda's the worst.
1: Do that for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the things you're learning about me, Ashley.
0: <laughs> so what do you think of the technology in this book? Like, was it written ahead of its time?
1: absolutely i absolutely think anderson was dead on with the way that facebook can can throw things up on our feeds that we are into Mm -hmm. uh yeah he definitely was ahead of the curve i give him credit for that
0: yeah it's kind of it was really surprising to me to read this now like this book was written pre-smartphone pre-social media amazon had just started selling more than books um it really like a lot of this relates very much to what I consider my everyday life now. Like yeah. if I want something I can order it and then it is here the next day or in two days. Thanks. Thank you, Prime Shipping. Like <laughs> Um Yeah. Or I I have a friend who just got a Peloton bike. And so she was talking to me about it and like telling me about how excited she was about about it. And the next day, like, I had all of my ads on, like, Instagram or anything were all about Peloton bikes. Peloton. And, like, I hadn't searched it on my phone or on my computer, but my phone was definitely listening to me, (laughs) and it's very alarming. (laughs) But
1: at least, at least these are not in our brains as I'm holding up my cell phone.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can, like, put it in a box and walk away from it. Thank gosh.
1: Yeah, I would, I would never agree to have anything like that put in my brain. They're never doing it to me. No,
0: no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, it's like uh, I have – all of our friends have, like, Amazon Echoes or a Google Play or whatever the Google version is called where it's, like, a smart speaker that you could talk to. And I am the only one who refuses to talk to it. Like, I know it can still hear me if I'm in the same room. Like, I understand that. But, like, if I want – like the music changed or something, I won't speak to it. I will ask someone else to speak to the Amazon Echo.
1: <laughs> but, My mother loves her oh. little Hey Google. She's always like Hey Google. I hate
0: him. I hate him.
1: He loves it because she doesn't know how to use the internet that well. Yeah. So it's like it takes the step out for her. But, but yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of it. Creeps I'm not, me. Quite as, out. quite as averse as you, but. Yeah. <laughs> It is all just creepy.
0: Yeah. So someone had asked Anderson um, what he thought about the way technology has actually come out. Um, and he said, of course I wrote feedback in 2001, before most of these devices existed, before marketing systems had become as sophisticated as they are. Um, but I, I was still tapped into the wider system of corporate communication. Already my dreams of who I wanted to be and my understanding of who I had been in my past and my hopes um, these had already been influenced by advertising images, movies, and TV. And I just like kind of, I think it's interesting that he didn't think he was ahead of anything. Like he was trying to just reflect how he felt at the time. But everything has just been turned up to 11 now. Yes. In the midst or listening to it i guess in the midst of a global pandemic where we have become even more dependent on our devices and screens um does this seem more or less possible to you
1: oh i think it's 100 possible i think the technology is there for sure mm-hmm. it's 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 eerie how 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 possible this is yeah actually.
0: how like <laughs> realistic this dystopian society is yes so uh due to some outside circumstances we delayed recording this episode for about three months um so (laughs) I have a lot of notes that I no longer remember why I wrote them down but I did want to share them with you (laughs) (laughs) um my first note is this lane is driving me insane um yeah the slain in this book is very frustrating um oh i have written in all caps birds aren't real is it possible that this is the actual um start of the birds aren't real fake conspiracy theory
1: <laughs> I, I didn't know there was a birds aren't real fake conspiracy theory but i'm not surprised
0: oh sorry it's great So the theory goes that uh, birds have been completely extinct and went extinct in like the late 70s. And that Reagan, President Reagan, um, decided to create robot birds as drones to kind of fly around and spy on the populace. And so every bird that you see is actually a robot. (laughs) Um, so I definitely recommend a little, maybe just like the littlest bit of research because you know that you're going to get sent down some really crazy rabbit holes thanks to the algorithms that (laughs) run in the background of our internet. But it's pretty entertaining and I, you can get t-shirts, um, (laughs) bumper stickers, all kinds of fun, birds aren't real, merchandise. It's like
1: the flat earthers, right?
0: Yeah, except like the... According to the Audubon Society, um, the guy who created this conspiracy theory definitely did it as, like, satire and as a joke, and uh, now he's just making a lot of money off people enjoying that it's so outlandish and ridiculous. Um, but that article was also written in 2018, and now that other conspiracy theories have become so mainstream, I, I'm looking at you, Q-On, and certain members of our government that, uh, it's maybe not, there may be are more people that actually do believe this. And so I do want to reiterate for anyone listening at home, birds are in fact real and we don't endorse any sort of (laughs) QAnon theories. Funny,
1: funny. Ah. All
0: right. Do you have any other final thoughts about this book that you wanted to share?
1: I'm just glad that I can now put it away for the rest of my library and life. life. I'm now done with it. I've examined it many times. <laughs> and this was a nice way to cap it off. One last hurrah. One last hurrah, indeed. Indeed.
0: We were not alone in disliking or hating this book. Um, while it does have a 4.3 out of 5 stars on Amazon and a 3.5 out of 4 stars on Goodreads, it was not difficult for me to find a negative review. Um, I did want to share some of them with you. Um, Sandra on Amazon uh, gave the following review. It's pretty long, so I'm going to try and sh- shorten it a bit. But she says, "Empty uh, Anderson somehow manages." to to take an elementary, baby's, first politics-level thought and grind out 300 pages of trite garbage about the subject. Truly, this book has no redeemable future unless you happen to be in a situation in which you are in need of kindling. (laughs) Um, Let's see here.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I don't know that i go that
0: far, but that's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's maybe a little harsh. but uh... <laughs> Oh, he, she talks a little bit um, about some other things, but then she wraps it up by saying, uh, Feed doesn't even manage to be good sci-fi. The world building has been done a million times, corporations, the moon, data mining, yawn. And the approximations of pop songs and, quote, youth products feel more like, how do you do, fellow kids, uh, scenario than anything else. It is stale through and through. Um, And I think, yeah, she just kind of touched on what we had talked about, but also what we kind of thought Anderson maybe was doing intentionally. Um, Morgan, also on Amazon, titled her review, Horrible, and wrote, quote, unquote, bad. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Short and sweet. Yep. Succinct. looking for some other options instead of this book do you have anything that you might recommend
1: oh actually does a librarian of almost 25 years have other recommendations (laughs) of course of course um i absolutely love this on audio and i would say go and listen to it would be libra bray's beauty queens oh where the beauty queens are stranded on an island and no longer have all their products and there's there's some huge jabs at consumerism and at our concepts of beauty and liver narrates there's a lot of guests as well and there's commercials throughout kind of similar oh to feed cool to the kind of um it is one of my top five favorite audiobooks she is fantastic she could have had a career <laughs> I think, I mean, she's that good. And it is just rolling on the ground funny to me. Now I know people who hate it, but I absolutely loved it on hmm. audio. I don't know if I'd like it as well to read it. Probably I, I would like it, but I liked it even better on audio. Cause you got to hear all those ads and you got to hear snippets from the shows. There's a TV show involved because these guy pirates and baby island, I don't want to give anything away. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's an absolutely ridiculous piece of wonderfulness. I just, I, I adored the book.
0: You I are not think, the, oh, Go ahead. Uh, you're not the first person to recommend that book to me, so I'll have to try and check it out. I've read some of her other titles, um, but I have not read that one.
1: This is kind of a departure for her. She does a lot of fantasy. Mm -hmm. She does a lot of historical fantasy. And this is not that. It's very different. But man, is it a ride?
0: Anything else?
1: Like I said, I don't like dystopians. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard for me to recommend because I don't want to read it. Like I I bought all these, you know, I bought Maid's Runner for the collection. I bought those Roth. Ones divergent divergent yeah um I do another series that I was just mentioning I actually emailed to a teen who was looking for recommendations I didn't care for her, but I I think was was really good and he's another author who takes on consumerism a lot is Scott Westerfeld and his uglies yeah his uglies books they're not my taste but they're they're good, and they were very popular, and they still go out even now.
0: Yeah, they do pretty well. They're, still.
1: Old. They're as old as Feed, probably. It probably came out right around this. Pretty time. close.
0: I that was one that I had thought of. I also didn't really care for it. I I didn't like the writing style that much. Like I didn't think that it was as well written. Um, but he has a comic uh, series called Spillover or Spill Zone, one of the two. I don't know. I'll write the real answer in the show notes. But um, that one I like a lot better than some of his other things. Or at least better than Uglies. Um, The other series that I thought of was Lauren Oliver's Delirium. Mm -hmm. Um, And and she has like a duology called Ringner and Replica. Which I think I've recommended before on here. Um, But I would recommend both of those. They're both kind of dystopian. Um, not so much about, like, the consumerism um, with a little bit of, like, a love angle, love story angle. Um, I guess Delirium has a pretty big love story angle. (laughs) Um, That series is set in a universe where Mm -hmm. love has been declared, like, a disease. And so in order to cure people, um, once they turn, I think, 18 or 16, they have this procedure that, like, automatically um, pairs them with their forever partner and um this girl decides that she would rather have real feelings than undergo this procedure and in the process meets a cute boy and all kinds of shenanigans ensue um but that was a pretty good series i enjoyed that one uh the other thing i thought of uh while i was reading this book was idiocracy have you ever seen that movie
1: niggly sounds niggly familiar
0: um, it stars Luke Wilson and his character is like the t- is like the most average American that the army can find and so they put him in this sort of um like experiment where they put him to sleep for hundreds of years and when he wakes up like I think like five centuries in the future, he is now like by far the smartest person in the world because humanity has just been dumbed down so much. Ah um oh, sorry, and so check that out. yeah it it came out in like the maybe mid-2000s like it's a it's kind of an older movie but it's maybe like the same generation as this book and so i would recommend I'll that as well
1: that. that sounds very good
0: all right so as we start to wrap up shari i do want to ask you some of our james limpton style questions
1: Yay. Uh, <laughs> I love the actor studio <laughs>
0: me too I love it um, so these are I ask the same guest all of these questions um, so what book character would you like to be your best friend
1: um, this is going to sound weird but I think Veruca Salt is awesome really I, would, I know she's annoying but I just think we have fun complaining about everything together <laughs> i think veruga is awesome
0: well and assuming if you're best friends you could kind of um like really take advantage of her obscene wealth like you would get to hang out at her house where i'm sure she has all of the best toys and like a cool indoor pool and oh
1: guess. Uh, i didn't even think of that angle i just think she'd be great to complain and tear things apart with
0: <laughs> what book character would you never want to meet and so this could be because they're, like, really scary or because they're mean or they're rude or they're just boring for any reason.
1: I think I'd be disappointed to meet Harry Potter. Hmm. I've built him up. Okay. I feel like he would let me down.
0: Yeah, I feel like that. That's perfectly reasonable. Like, he's clearly the worst of the three. Like.
1: Yeah, I feel like he's, yeah, I, I think I'd be disappointed.
0: Okay. So, I feel like if we were to put this to the author of that book, uh, she would probably say something about, like, how his mediocrity is part of, is by design, like... Oh, I agree. But, yeah, I, I think mediocrity is really the best way to describe him. You could join the story of a book. What story would you want to join? So, this would be, like, making you, like, a background character, so instead of being like Harry Potter, his best friend, you would be like one of the other students at Hogwarts in this, in this scenario.
1: Um, I like, I really like things about food. So it would have to be one of my food books. Um, there's this trilogy about kids on a cooking show. I would love to be, uh, on the stage, uh,
0: Like a stagehand?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) the lighting or the sound on um, Next Best Junior Chef, which is the show featured on this trilogy of books. That's
0: good. Um, And then finally, if you were to host a literary meal, who would you invite and what would you serve?
1: Oh, my gosh. This is definitely my bailiwick because, again, I'm obsessed with food. Um hmm. well it would be a vegetarian meal because I'm a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And that that would, would be it. Um I, I don't I don't know the theme. Who would I invite? Ooh, Ashley, this is such a I would only really have to think on this. So um, this
0: could be like book characters or authors.
1: Well this, this is so hard. Um, there's too many answers. There's Seriously? too many options. Um, I'd love to have everybody bring a, a, a vegetarian staple of their favorite meaty dish, perhaps. So it would have oh, to okay. be all carnivores, and they could bring like, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, fried chicken. Because I love all that stuff that I don't eat anymore, and I would love vegetarian takes on it. And I know they're doing more and more of that. Oh, okay.
0: Stuff.
1: Um. And I would invite all my library friends, like my lovely Miss Ashley and all my lovely library friends. And you know, I'm very I'm very active in American Library Association, which is pretty much the largest group of its kind, certainly in North America. And I've made friends through that. I love to have all of them. I don't know about authors. I have the absolute joy of meeting Tamara Pierce. Mm-hmm. She was the winner of um, an award and we got to have actual dinner with her. <laughs> and I would I would love to and plus she does audiobooks.
0: books. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Bruce Coville is also a great author, had his own audiobook and had his own audiobook company that was fantastic, but it went under. And she used to do voices a lot for him. And mm-hmm. she was great. So I was I was really excited to meet her. And then I love her books too. So she's definitely someone I would love to uh, sit down with again because she was so much fun. And I don't know. I'm trying to think of other authors that I've always wanted to meet. I'm kind of, I worry that I'll be disappointed.
0: Yeah, never meet your I heroes. i built
1: them up so much in my head. But she was one that did not disappoint me. And Paula Danziger was another one that did not disappoint me. Um, so I don't know. That is an excellent
0: question. Bruce Colville wrote one of my very favorite books when I was a kid, and it was called Into the Land of the Unicorns. It's It yeah. was a series, and, like, we had, my sister and I had the first book, but we didn't have any of the other ones. And I remember, like, going to the library and, like, asking for the next one, and they couldn't find it for me. And I tried to read it as an adult once I worked in a library and I was able to find it. Um, it. It lost some of the... Lester, i think which i think is maybe the name of the unicorn in the stair series <laughs> one of them is called Lester, maybe yeah
1: um, i've been really lucky enough to meet mr Koval as well because he used to go to conferences and sit at his little audiobook company's booth and mm-hmm. just chat with people and uh, i was i was a big fan and he's a lot of fun too i mean the ones with a sense of humor are the most fun yeah um and those those two do, and Paula Danziger was so funny. i've 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 heard Judy Bloom. she'd be another one I'd love to to sit down with, um because she's so funny. I I and I like humor. Mm-hmm. Gordon Corman, oh, they're all coming to me now. <laughs> um, Gordon Corman, very popular at our library. Mm-hmm. and I absolutely adore him. And I got a book signed by him, and he was very charming. and i I was amazed to learn fun fact for you listeners out there. He wrote his first book for a contest, and he won. And that book was one of the McDonald Hall books. Mm -hmm. And he's written several of those since. He was 13, and he has been writing since he's 13. He's now probably a bit older than I am. I think like middle 50s. And uh, I was pretty starstruck when I met him because I love his books, and they're so huge around here. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: all right well that kind of wraps up most of our feelings maybe not most of our feelings but like (laughs) the more coherent of our feelings about mt anderson's uh book feed i want to thank my guest shari for being here thank you shari for coming and chatting with us a little bit about feed um and i want to thank everybody for listening uh thanks for tuning in uh we'll be back again sometime soon where we'll talk about another book that we just happen to hate um if we got this book wrong if you have something that you wanted to share about your reaction to feed or any of the other books we've talked about on book hate you can drop us a line send us an email and hopefully we'll talk about our listener comments on a future episode thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you soon bye-bye thank you